South Carolina signed a plethora of blue-chip prospects on early National Signing Day, including two five-stars in Dylan Stewart and Josiah Thompson. But which of their five-star signees has the highest ceiling for their college career? You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also a staff writer for Gamecock Digest over on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen for your team here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more right now as new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Wednesday turned out to be a pretty good day for Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program. As with the exception of Zymerian Lang, which I can discuss very briefly at the end of the show, they signed every single high school commit that they had. Also, the exception of Braden Lee, who flipped to Maryland. But besides that, they got everybody that they wanted in this class. Everybody that's been committed to the Gamecocks program for a very long time now. And that included two five-star signees. One in... Home State offensive tackle prospect Josiah Thompson and another one and another DMV prospect and edge rusher Dylan Stewart. And a lot of people might assume just based on the rankings and based on a lot of the national hype that's been given that Dylan Stewart's ceiling is the highest in the class. But I do think that Josiah Thompson makes a compelling case for himself. So what I want to do to start this show is I want to compare both prospects and at the end I'm going to tell y'all who I think has the highest ceiling and I definitely want y'all to leave y'all's own thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching this on YouTube or again shoot me a message on Twitter if you're listening to this on an audio podcast app. So let's start off with Dylan Stewart. Dylan Stewart right now according to his on three sports recruiting profile he is listed six foot five 250 pounds and that's right about what you want in terms of overall height and weight for a modern day edge rusher a guy that you know maybe isn't quite as big as defensive ends used to be but therefore he should be a bit more explosive he should be a guy that can get off the line of scrimmage much faster because of how many passing plays you've got to defend against nowadays in football and Dylan Stewart, that is his biggest strength as an athlete. He His pure explosiveness off the line of scrimmage, in my opinion, it is dang near elite, if not possibly elite. And then when it comes to his technique, Dylan Stewart, you know, this is where I feel like this is an area that he can improve upon when he gets to South Carolina and he starts to learn under edge defenders coach Sterling Lucas because he has a couple of pass rush moves in his arsenal, you know, he's got a little inside swipe and swim move that he uses at times. He obviously knows how to do dips and rips. I mean, those are pretty easy for him considering just how fast he moves once the ball is snapped. But the thing with Dylan Stewart is that he doesn't really use a whole lot of pass rush moves, particularly if he does go to the inside. If maybe there's a stunt call and he has to go pass rush right at an offensive guard instead of usually an offensive tackle. 
So that is one area where I do think Dylan Stork could improve. And, you know, sometimes it's you're leaning on your athleticism because you just know that it's going to be good enough to get you by. And other times, you know, there might be some other factors that we don't know about. Obviously, these guys could be dealing with injuries at times. And therefore, things that might cause them to have to exert a lot more energy, they decide, you know, for a player to not to do that, but it still winds up working out for them. We never truly know, but it's just something to think about when I go over this comparison here. Now, positionally speaking, the last thing I'll touch on with Dylan Stewart before I switch over to Josiah Thompson, the thing I like about Stewart as a pure edge rusher is he can line up in multiple different stances. He can line up in a four-point stance, which is basically where you got both hands in the dirt, and usually that'll be more likely if you line up on the interior. He can line up in a three-point stance, which is where you have one hand in the turf. He also can line up in a two-point stance or basically just stand straight up and rush from that kind of stance. And that's what you saw a lot of with particularly uh, Kingsley and Igbari, the best example in that 2021 season when Clayton White first got here. You rarely ever saw an Igbari get in a three- or four-point stance. He was always in a two-point stance, you know, had a good solid knee bend, and was always angled straight at where the quarterback was going to be at based on the formation that they were in. So I would say that if it's a 4-2-5 defense the Gamecocks runs next year, then you're going to see Dylan Stewart line up in that two-point stance a lot more often than anything else. If it's a 3-3-5, well, I'll just say it's going to be interesting to see how they utilize Dylan Stewart. So clearly, Dylan Stewart, he has got a lot of traits that you look for, particularly athletically speaking, and also with his physical intangibles in terms of his size. But... That's where we switch gears over to Josiah Thompson because the thing with Josiah Thompson is he's got some of those same strengths when it comes to his profile. On three sports has Josiah Thompson listed at six foot six and 275 pounds. Although it has been said before that Josiah Thompson played this past football season somewhere around 280 pounds, maybe even a little bit heavier than that. So that might not have been quite accurate, but again, not on three sports fault. There's a lot of obvious players that they got to keep up with their database. Just wanted to make that clear for everyone that's watching and listening to the show. Athletically speaking, Josiah Thompson, his strength, the same as Dylan Stewart's strength, in my opinion. The way that he fires off of the line of scrimmage when the ball is snapped, you just do not see it very often when it comes to offensive linemen. And the thing is, Josiah Thompson is not just a guy that's quick when he is moving downhill or basically working up the field towards a defensive end or maybe a second-level linebacker. He is also a guy that is very quick when he is moving laterally, so he can be used on pull blocks or kickout blocks. Matter of fact, I saw a couple highlights when watching back some of his senior season highlights at Dillon High School where you know, he had to actually kind of slow up a little bit so that he didn't just run right on past his teammate or the offensive guard that was right next to him that was also on a pull block. And, um, you know, I think that that just goes to show you just how good of an athlete Josiah Thompson is at that offensive tackle position. In terms of his technique, I love the way Josiah Thompson plays offensive tackle, particularly in run blocking, because he almost plays like he's a defensive end. What do I mean by this? He's got great knee bend. For a guy that is six foot six, it'd be so easy for him to just want to stand straight up when he's trying to block a defender. He does not do that. He always keeps a solid knee bend to where he's got leverage underneath his matchup, to where, you know, his shoulder pads are 
kind of close to matching his opponent's shoulder pads. And he always keeps his feet moving. So he's got high motor and he's got great leverage. And he also makes it a point of emphasis that when he's engaged in a block to try to keep his arms extended as best as he possibly can. Which obviously works out great for him if he gets first contact. The thing I did note at times was that Thompson did not always initiate contact completely with his hands. Sometimes it was his hands and a little bit of his upper body where he kind of just delivered a bit of an upper body body blow and then he got his hands engaged and extended his arms. So that's something that he's going to have to work on in his own right when it comes to technique when he gets to South Carolina. Positionally speaking, last thing I'll touch on before I give y'all my answer on who I think has the highest ceiling. Thompson has experience at both right and left tackle, and he can play in a three-point stance with one hand in the dirt. So I think that that is something that is valuable for Thompson once he gets to South Carolina, because if they decide to move him around to both sides of the line of scrimmage, He's going to be just fine. It's not going to catch him by surprise if they decide to do that, particularly in spring practice. So that leads me to the question. We'll revisit it now. Who has the highest ceiling? In my opinion, I actually think it's Josiah Thompson. And the reason why is this. Thompson has athletic traits and technical traits that very few offensive linemen have. And you could say the same thing about Dylan Stewart in a way, but the way I view Dylan Stewart is this. He's in the upper echelon of edge rushers when it comes to his athletic traits. But is he in that like top 3%, that top 1%? You could say he's borderline in that regard, and he's certainly really good. I'm not trying to put down Dylan Stewart by any means when I say this. But I just think that Josiah Thompson, with what he does for an offensive lineman, with his height and his length, it's just rare folks. It is completely and totally rare. You just do not see it when it comes to guys at that position. The only question I have about Josiah Thompson, when you watch his highlights from his senior season at Dillon High School, there's a lot of run blocking plays involved. From the stats I did look at at maxpreps.com, it seems like that Dillon High School was mainly a run-oriented offense, so it wasn't just Josiah Thompson was a bad pass blocker. Have to keep that in mind as well when we evaluate these guys. But if he can handle doing more in pass protection at the next level with some added weight, because obviously he's not going to be able to play at 285 pounds at the SEC. If he can handle all that, in my opinion, Josiah Thompson he has a very good chance of being an eventual first-round draft pick. And in my opinion, his ceiling, while it's not necessarily a significant gap between him and Dylan Stewart, I do think his ceiling is slightly higher than Dylan Stewart's. So obviously, those guys, they garnered probably the most attention out of a lot of these guys in this 2024 class for South Carolina. But there was also a guy that maybe was at the opposite of the spectrum in terms of the rankings that I think you should not sleep on. We're going to talk about that prospect. In essence, the biggest diamond in the rough that South Carolina got in this class in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers are staying hot on FanDuel because right now, new customers on FanDuel can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. We've got Thursday night football coming up later this evening between the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Rams. The Saints are traveling to Los Angeles for this game. 
And it seems like that that's playing a role in the money line odds here. As the money line for the Saints is set at plus 168, and the money line for the Rams is set at minus 200. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Welcome back to this Thursday edition, or the first Thursday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. Okay, so we talked about some of the heavy hitters in terms of notoriety like Dylan Stewart and Josiah Thompson at the beginning of the show. Now, let's talk about the biggest diamond in the rough find in this 2024 class for the Gamecocks. And I think that there is no obvious answer here, more so than David Busey out of Savannah Christian Prep. Now, David Busey is projected to play the safety position for South Carolina once he gets to Columbia. And the thing that I like about his high school film is David Busey played both ways. Now, I used to be a guy that thought that that was not good for the high school athlete. You know, for one, obviously playing a lot more snaps, that can lead to a greater chance of that player getting injured. And sometimes it just felt like it was just basically high school coaches trying to take their best athlete and just playing them as at many places as they possibly could, as many positions as they possibly could handle to give their team a better chance to win. I thought it was more selfish a few years back. But now, I think that there truly is some benefits to playing both ways at the high school level if you can handle it. And in David Busey's case, he played both wide receiver and safety slash linebacker on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that that has helped develop him into a much better defender now. Because with David Busey, he can play up in the box. If I had to say if he's a field safety or a box safety, I'd probably say that Busey is more of a box safety. Because he can go up in the box, he can play in that hook curl area of the field, essentially sort of around maybe the hash marks, and he can also play in the flat. And the other thing is, because of David Busey's experience at the wide receiver position, he does a great job of reading the quarterback's eyes, to where essentially, there's times where David Busey is already running to the area where the ball's going to get thrown before the quarterback has even let go of the football. You You don't see that very often from a defender, especially a defender at the high school level. But David Busey, he has a very high football IQ when it comes to diagnosing what's happening in the passing game. David Busey also is a guy that loves physicality. This dude is tough as nails. As a matter of fact, he pretty much is like a hammer hitting a nail. He will just absolutely lay out somebody, get right back up, go back to his side of the field like nothing even happened. I would say he's a bit rare in that aspect as well. You don't see that as much these days from opposing defensive backs or any defensive backs is what I meant to say. Um, Obviously with the way that the game is now set up, with the way the rules are set up, but David Busey does not play that way. Now that does not also mean that he's trying to take every guy's head off, you know, once he makes contact, but he is somebody that is not afraid to lower the shoulder and let you know that he just hit you in a way in which you're going to remember who just laid you out. 
So David Busey, he gets that from how he plays as a receiver on offense because he's a guy that does a great job of making contested catches, whether it is surviving a hit from a defender when he's on offense or he's surviving contact with the ground. So he plays the same way on both sides in the sense that he almost loves contact in a weird way. And the last thing that I'll say about David Busey and it's an intangible, so it's something that you know you can't really develop or teach as a coach, and it's not really a part of his physical game or his skill set, but it's his mental just it's a part of his mental game as a player. He has a moxie to him, is what I'm trying to get at. He is a guy that absolutely loves the game of football. You can tell by the way he plays, and when he makes a play, whether it's on defense or offense, He's going to let you know about it. And I think that as a fan, you love players like that because that means that the guy also inherently has confidence in himself and he likes to intimidate his opponent. So I think that for South Carolina, you know, you've already started to see a little bit of that moxie come back to their secondary. Um, obviously, Cam Smith was a big part of that the first couple years Shane Beamer was here. Nick Emmenwory, I think, has kind of started to carry that mantle a little bit more. Now that he's getting a little bit older as a player, going into his third year as a Gamecock starter in the defensive backfield. But some of these other guys, like a David Busey, I don't think there's going to be a drop-off from the older veterans on this team to the younger guys when it comes to just pure attitude on the football field. And at that position in the defensive backfield, you got to have a bit of attitude, in my opinion. And I think David Busey is going to bring that, and that's just an added bonus to everything else that he offers as a prospect. So, look, I know that when you look at the rankings, the consensus rankings, I think he's ranked, like, somewhere in the thousands, right? I seriously think that they are greatly undervaluing him, David Busey, that is in this class. I'm not going to sit here and tell you David Busey is going to like push the starters immediately or anything of that sort, but I think when he gets here, he's going to immediately be on multiple special teams units, and he's going to become a favorite of Pete Lembo's and a favorite of South Carolina's fan base, and I think that after a year or two, you start to see some of these older guys at the safety position cycle out, move on to the NFL. David Busey, in my opinion, will make a bigger impact on defense sooner rather than later. So David Busey, in my opinion, he's the biggest diamond in the rough in this 2024 class for Shane Beamer and the Gamecocks. And I think that he is a guy that, sure, he might not have the stars attached to his name, but keep an eye on him over the next couple years because I think he could do big things here at South Carolina. Now, I mentioned earlier, South Carolina, they lost guys like Zymarian Lang from this class because Lang wanted to play wide receiver. South Carolina's time wore on. They saw him as more of a defensive back, so they let him go and commit to Toledo. So it sounds like they made a good plan there for Lang to go ahead and leave the class. And then Braden Lee, look, stay closer to home, considering all the family circumstances there. Completely understandable why he went to Maryland. But South Carolina also lost a current player on their roster in Jalen Nichols, who reportedly entered the transfer portal on Wednesday afternoon. But the question now is, assuming Jalen Nichols is going to be gone no matter what, and he's not coming back, how big of a loss is he for this offensive line? We'll dive into that discussion in just a couple moments right here on Locked On Gamecocks.
Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Now, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top-tier candidates as possible that you can interview for your positions. And if you're someone that is looking for candidates because right now you're having a hard time finding the quality of candidate that you're looking for, then you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats, and right now, you might not have the time and or the resources to hire. And that is why, when you use LinkedIn Jobs, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, saving you both time and money. So, if you're interested, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. To wrap up this first show on Thursday, December the 21st, let's talk about the loss of Jalen Nichols, who entered the transfer portal reportedly on Wednesday afternoon, and uh, there's been apparently some rumblings that North Carolina could be in the mix here, maybe even Charlotte, which has gone after several Power 4 prospects to this point in this transfer portal cycle. Either way, it seems like Jalen Nichols, he wants to be closer to home, potentially, which if that's the case, it's understandable. And in my opinion, losing Jalen Nichols on the offensive line, it does hurt South Carolina to a certain extent, but not quite as much as it would have if it happened this past season. And obviously, the first thing that people will think of is the fact, well, Andrew Nichols didn't even play. You know, he hurt his knee in the Garnet Black Spring game this past April, and he never even you know, was able to appear in a game in 2023. And that is also true. But I think that it would have been more devastating the fact that you wouldn't even have him on the roster because... It's one thing if you still got a guy like that around the program, a guy that's played in several games, a guy that might be considered a leader for your position group, still hanging around in the locker room and in the halls of the football operations center with those guys. But it's another thing when they're gone completely. So I just want to make that point firstly. But you look back at the 2023 season, right? You had a guy like Rashawn Lee. You brought in a transfer from Yale in Nick Arjulo. You also had Ja'Kai Moore that came back. And also someone in Trey Jones that had started just a handful of games up to that point in their career. Between those four guys, you had 63 career college football starts. So... While Jalen Nichols, you know, again, had 18 starts that were lost when he got hurt, it wound up, in my opinion, not really making as much of a difference because, I mean, for one, you couldn't have prepared for all the injuries South Carolina had this past season. And secondly, they were able to, I think, at least try to put a Band-Aid over that for the time being when this past fall came around. Now, for 2024... Here's why I don't think it is as big of a loss as it would have been last year. I dubbed the 2023 season as the bottom-out year for this offensive line for a couple of reasons. Again, injuries obviously played a role that none of us saw coming. But it also had been two years, two and a half years or so, since that 2021 class had come to Columbia. And if we all remember that 2021 class, that was Shane Beamer's first class technically speaking, but Beamer had only been on the job at that point for like a couple weeks to a month. He basically had little to no time to really get to know the guys, much less go after guys that they were interested in trying to bring them to Columbia. 
And that class, I don't even think they brought an offensive lineman in. If they did, the offensive lineman that they did bring in right now, they're probably no longer a part of the football program for certain reasons. And they also weren't really able to develop a lot of relationships with guys in that 2022 class. So you can maybe say that's going to carry over still a little bit this next season. But here's the thing. You look at what they've done in recruiting the past two years. You bring in a tree, Babalade, Travon Baugh, and Marquis Anderson in the 2023 cycle. Babalade turned out to be a really good pickup. I mean, start for you at left tackle. I believe he started nine games, if I'm reading that correctly. Yeah, nine games at left tackle. Travon Baugh, eight games at right guard. Those two were great signings in the 2023 class. I think it's fair to say at this point that both of those guys were hits. And Marquis Anderson, who I think many consider to be the best prospect out of all three guys, he did not even play a snap last season because he had uh, an issue with one of his knees that eventually required him having season-ending surgery. And then you look at this upcoming season. You've got Marquis Anderson coming off of injury, and he's going to be back in the fold for you. you got Trey Jones coming back a seasoned vet on the interior. You got Cam Pringle coming in, Josiah Thompson coming in, Blake Franks coming in, Kaysen Henry is going to be back. You've got a lot more bodies to work with when it comes to overall depth, and in my opinion, definitely overall talent than you had heading into the 2023 season. So losing Jalen Nichols heading into next year, sure, it still does sting. I'm not going to make it out like losing 18 starts does not hurt this team. It does, because Jalen Nichols, he had experience playing multiple spots. Right tackle, I believe right guard at certain points in his career, and also left tackle. So, not having him there, you know, that's one less option for you. But, if you're this offensive staff, I don't think that you're necessarily going, golly, what are we going to do now? Kind of like you maybe did this past offseason when he got hurt and you knew that, oh, that's that's rough. Yeah, he's not going to be able to play this next season. I don't think you feel the same way this time around if you're South Carolina staff, much like you probably did this past offseason when he was hurt and that took him out for the season. So, again, hurts to lose 18 career starts, but at the same time, I think South Carolina's got the talent and they got the depth now, at least enough depth to where Nichols leaving, look, you wish him the best, and you hope that he does well wherever he lands, but at the same time, you're not sitting there maybe almost trying to beg him to come back. Unless, of course, he played a bigger role in the locker room than I know, which that could definitely be the case as well. But I'm just purely talking on the field. And in terms of on the field, I don't think it's quite as big of a loss as it would have been this past offseason. So with that being said, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are y'all's thoughts on Dylan Stewart and Josiah Thompson in this recruiting class? Who do you think has the highest ceiling between those two guys? Who do you think the most underrated prospect is? Do you think it's David Busey or do you think it's somebody else in this class? And lastly, what are your thoughts on the Gamecocks likely losing Jalen Nichols through the transfer portal? Do you think it's a big loss for this offensive line? Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube, or you can shoot me a direct message on X at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Thursday afternoon, and I'll be sure to catch y'all shortly on the next edition right here of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.